Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Time Lightman Podcast, and I'm your host, Leroy. It is a pleasure to be with you guys once again to talk about my journey into how poetry found me. And I just want to say up front, this has been a difficult part for me because I'm talking about the loss of my mother. And it was hard for me to even try to record and explain this part in a way that would give my heart clarity and that would give you the perspective of what life is to you, what life is to me, and what life is in general. But this is Mother's Day in 2019. And the best way for me to do that is to honor her in such a way so that she would know beyond the writing, beyond birthing me, beyond anything that the physical world may hold, that I want to acknowledge her in this way. Because our mothers are very, very precious, not only to the family that they raise, but the whole universal concept of a woman anyway. And I say that because that's where every human being comes from. You come from the womb of a woman to be birthed into a world to grow, to learn, to experience. And then you yourself become that adult. And when you become that adult, then you get out and you create more children to grow, to learn, to experience. And women is the major component to that. And I know men, we play our part, but it's nine months of carrying us bringing us to term to bring us into a physical world where we have to learn and my mother was that key instrument in my life and I just had to watch that and I just want to say that and I want to say this to every single woman in this world that I appreciate you when you get a little age and you begin to see what the creative process is what it actually means to the foundation of a planet you deserve all the credit You deserve everything that it takes to bring us here. And we must always honor you, not just on the day that we physically give you for Mother's Day, but we must honor you every single day. And that doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. (laughs) That doesn't mean that our temples won't go up and down. But when we lay down at night and as we begin to grow and begin to think about you, we begin to say that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And to the men in the world, you play your part. But in order to make it stronger, you have to appreciate her. And when you look at your children, you have to know that that's where they come from. With that being said, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day. And I won't do any promoting. I'll just go straight into the story. As I said in episode 9, this is episode 11, my mother passed away. And when she passed away, I was left in limbo spiritually mentally and I was disoriented physically I couldn't understand why my mother had passed away on January 1st 2000 when the last time I saw her was on December the 26th 25th 1999 my mind was swimming with so many thoughts Anger began to slowly grow in me. And it was growing because I felt, me, that 
I was in conversation with the creator all the time, all the time. I would share my dreams with the creator all the time. I would tell my mothers about the stages as often as I could. And I woke up with the desire, the burning desire, like Napoleon Hill said, and think and grow rich, to get out and accomplish that thing that I said that I wanted to do for her. And that thing simply was to give her the physical comforts that a young man felt that he owed his mother. And no matter how much I felt that I owed my mother, she would always say, don't do that for me. You do that for you. And I would say, no, I'm not going to do this for me. I'm doing this for you. And when I thought about that, when I was sitting on my bed, I just said, life, it's not fair. Here's a decent woman. I'm a decent child. And I should be able to accomplish my dreams for her while she was alive. While she lived, I should have been able to show my brothers and sisters what my overall perspective was for the family in general, but for that woman more specifically. Now that she's gone, I get a call from my brothers and sisters informing me, of course, I need to come to the funeral. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here was a sticky point for me. I had a job that didn't matter. I told them I needed to go home, and they understood. Number two is the transportation part was difficult for me because my car had died on me. <laughs> Went down and started, turned it, died, and there was no way for me to go. But there was this one young lady, and I won't mention her name. She was beautiful to me the entire time. When I had the difficulties of not having the finances, she took the time out of her life to make sure that I had adequate transportation to go home. She didn't even know me but a couple of months. But she said that if this was my mother too, I would want somebody to do this for me. And I kept saying, you don't have to, you don't have to, I'll find a way. She said, no, I want to do this for you so that you can go home to your family to go to your mom's funeral. I never told her that, but that choked me up. And that lives with me to this day because sometimes you never know where your help will come from. You never know who would be your supporter in your time of need or who would be your supporter when you are successful. This young lady took the time out of her life to make sure that I could go home to visit my brothers and sisters and to plan my mother's funeral. But I told my brothers and sisters I want no part in that. I want them to take care of all that because I wasn't there. I, I don't know the intimate details of what it would take to do that. I got the funding together. I got the rental car that she got for me. And I began to drive home. When I took this journey, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say to you outright that it was, it was dark and I was driving home. And when I'm alone, the tears, they have to come out because if I hold them in, I know that the frustration would mount. 
I was driving home, and there wasn't a car on the interstate, I-75. There wasn't a car in sight. Or maybe my, my mind was so lost that I didn't see any. I didn't pay attention to the, to the speedometer. I was driving over 100 miles an hour just to get home to my brothers and sisters and to purge these tears, unaware of the time. And if the police of the world had been there, I knew I would have got a ticket all the way there. And I wasn't even mindful of that. I was just trying to get home to my brothers and sisters so that we can take this journey and take our mother to the final resting place. I'm driving over 100. There's nothing in sight to stop me. And then this is where you have those conversations with the creator. And those conversations begins like, what am I to do now with my dream? When everything that I dreamt, everything that I thought, everything that I wrote, the direction that I wanted to go was for this very person that has now left me and left her family. And I'm driving 100 miles an hour, talking to the creator about this, saying to God, this is unfair. I know that we all have to go, but to go suddenly like this was too much for me. How am I supposed to handle that? And ladies and gentlemen, when you lose someone suddenly, it could be anybody, it could be anything. It will catch you off guard and it will have you questioning yourself, your beliefs, your foundation. And it's only natural because it's a progression to understanding. But when you're in that moment, that doesn't matter. I finally arrived in Phoenix City, Alabama. And I can't really see the details of this dog. I talk to my brothers and sisters. We go in the house. They write out the obituary. obituary. And I think, but I'm not sure at this point, whether or not I went to the funeral home to see our mother. I have to check with my brothers and sisters because everything in between that is a blur. And we tried to talk about the memories, but I couldn't open up because I would have started crying and I didn't want them to see me cry. When the day, a couple days before the funeral, we had to go through a Christian ritual. Now, I didn't understand this at the time because I never really spent a lot of time in the church. I went to church when I was small. My mom would send me to church, and I would go to church. But I would never, I never grasped the total meaning of what that meant, being in the church. But we went to bury our mom, and the church that she went to where we lived was just walking distance. And I was told, or we were told, that according to the Christian belief system, that my mother's name was not in a book. Now, I didn't know what that meant. They said something about when you join a church, you put your name in the book, and when you put your name in the book, this is the church that you belong to. And my mom would go to church every Sunday, or as many Sundays as permitted, and in different places she would go. But I couldn't understand what that meant. Like, she couldn't have her burial because she wasn't in the book. Now my frustration 
was mounting once again when they told her that that's the church that she attended. And I didn't understand what that meant. But for some strange reason, the minister of that church at the time went in, he found my mother's name in the book. And he said to the family that, okay, now we can accept your mother into the church and we can give her the proper Christian burial. Now that cleared my mind up a little bit because I didn't understand what I was going through. When we got to the church and we went inside, I got a chance to see the body of my mother. And I just want to share this with you guys. When I looked at my mother's vessel, a few questions went through my mind while I'm standing and looking at this corpse. Number one is her face was serene, like she was peaceful. And I don't know if she was struggling with leaving or going, but when I looked at her face, it looks peaceful. Then my question was, well, where is that voice that used to chastise me, that used to say she loved me? Where is that life force that used to look in my eyes and say, I believe in you and you could do what you want to do? Where is that movement that when she kissed me when I was young or disciplined me when I was disruptive, where did all that go? Now I'm just looking at a casket that holds a corpse. And I wanted to cry right there in front, but I held that because I didn't want the people there to see me cry. I was just trying to be strong for everybody involved. Everybody got up and said a few words or the people that knew my mom. The minister did his wording. But my life was directly connected to this woman and so was my dream. I felt it necessary that I say a few words So they permitted me to say a few words. My words just simply went, you brought us into this world. We loved you. We're going to struggle with this. Or something to that effect. And now we just have to put you to rest. After all of that, families and friends and everybody and my mind was disconnected from the people I was just saying thank you I really wasn't engaged in that because I had to take this one last step we get to the grave site when we get to the grave site they got this hole dug and the casket is there and we all take a seat And ladies and gentlemen, to be honest with you, I never thought that I would be in this position so soon in my life. I thought that I was going to accomplish this work, get out here and do this work, take care of this woman while she was on this planet, and live a happy life. But everything went the opposite. I was getting ready to live a more painful life. And as the minister or whomever it was was saying these final words, I began to see them lowering this casket into the ground. 
which is symbolic of when they put this in the ground, when they put the dirt over this casket, I shall never see any physical form of that woman ever again. I was holding my tears. I was rocking in my chair. I was being as strong as one man could be as they began to change my reality. The casket is in the ground. And they don't put the dirt on while you're there. But when you leave, they begin to cover the body. We get back to my sister's place and I am away from everybody. I'm away from family. I'm away from friends and I'm sitting on the bed on the edge of the bed just rocking and in my mind I'm thinking why God why did this happen? What in the world could make something like this happen so soon? And I could hear my friends talking to me and I'm saying yeah thank you And the thing about it is, and it's just like I tell you about my friend Sylvester when I was saying the same thing to him, you don't know what that pain is like unless you've lost your parent or you lost somebody that you love or you lost someone suddenly. And I know that everybody meant well. I mean, it was sincere because a lot of them knew my mom. But that thing that burns inside is like it's saying to you, they don't know. And at the time I was agreeing with, they don't know. Your mother is precious. So every day that you see her, even if you're the most disruptive kid, even if you are an adult that's not paying too much attention, every now and then, if you can, get past the difficulties that you may have and just tell her you love her. Just tell her you love her. And say it from a place of pure spiritual honesty because you'll never know whether you'll get a chance to say that to that woman again. And when I left her on December 25th, I said those words, but nothing resonated at that time. My mind was blocked, and I think it was spiritual or mental or psychological anger. The next day, I got up to leave. My brothers and sisters was there, and I think that we broke apart at this point because she was the matriarch. She held everything together. Her joyfulness, her seriousness, her sternness, she kept us together. And when that peace was gone, I felt like we fragmented. And I thought it was natural, but it was painful. I get back in my car I didn't drive 100 miles an hour this time, ladies and gentlemen. It was daytime, and I was relaxed. And when I got in the car and I started driving, all I had was rain in my eyes. All I had was pain in my mind. And I could not understand. I could not understand why this had evolved to the level of me being mad at the universe about the passing of my mother. I get back to Orlando, Florida. I thank that beautiful young lady for everything that she's done for me. I thanked her for just hanging around me and just taking me around until I could get my car fixed. 
and the value that she had because during this time, I was still trying to do the plays for Orlando Black Essential Theater. And a guy named Willie, the director of a lot of the plays that we did, and Michelle, they were sincere about wishing me well. And I didn't want to go through any of the performances because I felt that my mind wasn't focused on trying to do that. But Willie was really, really on my in my corner. He was saying, I understand, but your mom would want you to do this. We want to do this, and we just need you to do it. I was disoriented, but I said to him, I said, I don't know if I had the energy, but if you want me to, I will. And at the time when I'm living in that misery, that particular group of people that I was working with, we really wanted to be impactful in the community. And the thing about networking and marketing and talking to people is you don't know who's going to come out and support you. But even if it's one person that comes out and supports you, you still have to go on and perform that show because you dedicated yourself to the cause of trying to grow that company that you're with. And when you grow something from the very beginning, you're never going to get a hundred million people to come out and support you. And that's what you need. That hundred million people will tell another hundred million people and then you have 200 million people coming out to support what you're trying to do for the community, which is to create art so that people can see that art lives and maybe it'll inspire you to want to be an artist or maybe it can encourage you to want to go out and do your thing. I suck it up. Because part of the the acting, part of the theater was to show my mom what I wanted my gift to be and where I wanted to go in this world, what I wanted to f- wanted her to feel. And I wanted her to, I wanted to show her that I felt that this is the direction my life was calling me. But I grew numb to that as well. I tethered myself and my dream to my living queen. Now she's gone and none of it had any meaning. But we get through it. And it was successful. And we went on to do a few more. But my mind was clogged with emotion. I'm at home, I'm crying. I'm driving to work, I'm crying. I went to work, I told him, I said, I can't come back anymore because I'm crying. Deep down in me was a sadness. I didn't eat properly. I barely exercised. My mind was not into reading anything. It was not into meditation. It was not into fasting. It was in destruction mode. Like it doesn't matter. And I would say that was my first time that I felt that I had or was becoming depressed. Because so much was tied to my mother that now if I were to accomplish anything, it had any meaning. So why accomplish anything at all? And then I would walk to the park. I would watch nature. And I would say, she's not here to see anything. I 
drifted between jobs. I drifted between realities. I wake up three o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep. I go to bed at an irregular time. I would barely eat. And I used to love to run and I would barely run, but I would get out and run sometime because my mind was still programmed to know that my body needed that. But I really didn't care about that. Then one day in June, I was going to Walmart and I would buy tablets. And I don't even know why I was buying tablets other than the fact that I remember when I first got to Orlando, I wrote my second screenplay. But I don't know why I was accumulating tablets. But I bought tablets. And this one beautiful morning, I walked outside and the earth was beautiful. There was not a cloud in the sky. The squirrel was outside playing. The birds were flying. And in the environment that I lived in, it was calm. It was peaceful. I went inside my house, opened up the blinds, pulled them all the way back so people walked by, they could look right into my apartment and see me sitting there. I was sitting there and I was looking out the window and it was clear and I was crying. And these are the words that I said to God. The honest truth, these are the words that I said to God. I looked outside and I said, God, if you do not help me with this, I don't think that I'm going to make it. Now, how many of you have been in a difficult situation in your life and there's not a human being in the world that you can find that can resolve your problems? I didn't have psychologists for friends. I didn't have therapists for friends. And most of the friends that I had in life, they were back in Phoenix City and they was at, it was at Alabama State University in Montgomery, Alabama, and they were spread throughout the world. But there was nobody physically that I could find that I could share this deep burning pain with. When I said those words to God, if you don't help me with this, I don't think you're going to make it. As soon as I could get the last word, I, I heard something say, sit down and write. And it was with authority and it was with power. And I'm looking around in my apartment like, who said that? Like, where did that come from? And my mind and my heart was racing at 100 miles an hour to hear that response just that quickly threw me for a loop, ladies and gentlemen. I was like lost in space. Maybe it was my mind. Maybe it was my thought processes that had me to think that maybe I responded to myself. But that echo was extremely loud and there was nobody in the room but me talking about somebody needed some psychological help at the time. But because I heard that, I grabbed the tablet. When I grabbed the tablet, I instantly began to write. And I'm just going to recite the first stanza to the beginning of my journey of how poetry found me. And it went something like this. And the title of it was titled, Here We Go. And it went kind of like this. I may not have it verbatim, but this is the one I wanted to commit to memory. I will commit it to memory the next time I present it to you guys. But I just want to show you what happened to me in the moment. It went something like, here we go right at the beginning where all things seem to want to end. Here we go, never looking at the universe. Here we go, never looking or listening to the sun, the rain, the clouds, and all things natural. That was the first stanza, ladies and gentlemen, and it continued on and it continued on and it continued on until I got to the very end. 
When I got to the end of that piece, I said to myself, where did that come from? Have you ever been so inspired by something or the pain of something had been so great that you yourself get lost into the moment of what had transpired. Now, my brain and my mind was not connected at what was happening with this pen and this page and everything that was going on at the time. When I got done, here's what the thoughts were saying in my mind. It said that since you don't have anybody to talk to, anywhere to go, or nobody to help you, I'm going to allow you to write. And you're going to write everything, every single thing, whether you wake up in the day, whether you wake up in the night, you're not going to go to sleep and you're not going to be comfortable until you write what is in your mind, until you can write what's off of your heart in order for you to be clear. This is the deal that I had to make. And I just listened to the thoughts. I wasn't really paying it any attention, but I knew that I was never a poet. I knew that I was never a man that God would take seriously in terms of trying to make an impact in the world at large. But I knew that God knew that I was in pain. And I knew that the young lady that was around me knew that I was in pain. And I didn't share it with, with everybody else in the world. And I barely shared it with her, but because she was so supportive, I told her about it. And she said, that's good. And that's as far as I let that go. And when poetry found me, it found me at my point of where I think I was beginning to become depressed. Or maybe I was depressed and didn't know it. But the therapeutic point of it all is that everything that I was feeling in terms of my mother being gone was now beginning to be purged. And it didn't deal with just her being gone. The thoughts were so deep, they took me back to my childhood. The thought was so deep that it took me back into her womb. The thought was so deep that it took me back to the beginning of the beginning, whatever that may have meant for me. And then the thought was so pure that it showed me when I was birthed or gave me the idea when anybody would be birthed. And it gave me a universal perspective of just the human conditioning in poetic form. Ladies and gentlemen, when I began this journey into poetry, I began the journey that would reshape, that would recondition, that would put my mind back on track to have me to understand that you are valuable. You have to know that you are valuable. You have to know that you can't stay on this planet forever. You have to know that if you have a dream, you have to get out and achieve the thing. You have to understand that if you tie your dream to your kids, If you tie your dream to your brothers and sisters, if you tie your dream to your mother, your father, or anybody that's physically alive, and you want to see that dream manifest, you have to do it while they are alive. Because your psychological wellness depends on that. Because you are tying everything to those individuals that will get the most from what you're doing. And you see a lot of successful people 
that get up and talk about their moms and what they wanted to do when they was in harsh conditions or how their mother was being mistreated by their father throughout conditions and they wanted to make their environment better. And once they were able to do that, they were happy. So if you don't believe it, just listen to some of those guys or those girls that believe in taking care of their mom. And their mom is so humble that that really don't matter to them. But the beauty of it is that you thought enough about them to do it. And we all have it in us. That significant person that takes care of you. And you may have a family that you significantly want to change their lives. You have to get out and you have to make all of that work. Life depends on you making that work. For me, my dream, my goals were put on hold. They didn't go anywhere. They were just put on hold. And the reason they was put on hold is because I kept saying to God, you got to help me get past the loss of my mother. I can't function anymore until you help me overcome that pain. And I thought about everything that I would have achieved or would achieve for her. And when I achieve those things, she still won't be here. And I think it still hurt because it hurts right now. But I'm better because poetry managed to pull out of me the spiritual, physical, mental realities of just living, of just loving, of making mistakes, of trying, of achieving, and then falling down and trying and achieving again. And we're all going to do this, but you have to stay the course. But because I was talking to God, I wasn't going to stay the course fully. I said I needed help. And these books came into my life. These words came into my life. And these words provided help. And when I say to you all that I know that these books will provide the same thing for you, I just always ask you to take the journey. Take the first book and see what I went through when I lost the most precious piece of material in the world, my mother. Her physical existence was what I desired to see me accomplish. She's not here. Now I still have to work towards it because I promised my family. Now that I promised my family, I have to recondition my mind to accept that reality. But while I'm writing, I don't accept it right away. But I know that I have to take this journey. And ladies and gentlemen, when I say to you, I will wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. When I say to you, I will wake up at 3, 3 p.m. when I wasn't working. When I would tell you, I will wake up at 1 a.m. And this agitation was so great. But in my mind, it would say, I told you, when you got to write, you got to write. And you're not going to go to sleep until you write. And I would go and I would take my pen and my pad. And I would just put the pen on the page and it felt like a trance. All I would do is I would just write subconsciously. Had to be because it wasn't consciously. Once I, would, once I was done writing, and my writing form was, I won't stop writing until the pen can't flow anymore. When the pen stops, that's when I know that that thought is completed. And ladies and gentlemen, once I would do that, I would go lay down. And I would literally pass out. 
you know, wake, up, wake up in time to go to work, but I would literally pass out. And as I'm writing, I never read anything that I was writing until it came time for me to edit. My mother was in my mind every day, every night, while I was doing this writing. I'm trying to function in the world of man. I got bills I have to pay. I need a job because my money was running low. And I needed to support myself. And a job was the only way that I could do it. My dream was on hold. My life was unfolding in a different direction. And I had to go out and seek employment. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't stress to you enough in this current environment in 2019 that on this Mother's Day and every day is Mother's Day, just like every day could be Father's Day. But this world knows how precious women are and we're not giving them our just due. And I just think, maybe I'm incorrect, That's why the world is in so much turmoil. We're not doing the right thing by women. And that doesn't mean that you have to over-support them. That doesn't mean that you have to bend over backwards to help them. What it simply means is that all of us just need to take a moment. Look at the body of that mother or the body of that woman and realize that from her, comes us. Whether you're male or female, whether you're the strongest in the family or the weakest, you came from the womb of a woman. And nothing in society has changed that yet, although we're working on different perspectives to do all of this, but it doesn't matter. It was set up in the universe that you come through the vaginal tract biologically from a woman. And when you start disrespecting that, then you start to lose the very foundation that was built by the universe. And to all the women in the world, and I just want to say this to those little girls as well, the foundation of this planet is that you have a strong, healthy mind that you have people around you that support you in your dreams and your goals and your wishes and that we as men support you encourage you to be all that you can be in a society that allows you to be free when we begin to break that then we begin to break off society and we begin to break away from that which is the most important thing which is connection as a child I was wild. My mother tried to keep me straight. My brothers and my sisters as well. I felt obligated to take care of this woman. But when I wasn't there, I don't know what was in her heart. I don't know what was in her mind. I don't know if she was crying. I don't know if she was happy. I don't know if she was sad. I know she was in the hospital. I know she died in the hospital. And I felt like I died with her in the hospital. 
and I tried to fight my way back. There was no words to me for me to hear. There was nobody for me to talk to. There was no God around me to point me in the right direction. All I know is that that woman was gone. And when I see women today, and I see them trying to correct their children, I see the beauty of the moments that we have. When I see her telling her child he's beautiful or she's beautiful, when I see that she's feeding him, when I see that she's pushing him in the stroller, when I see that she's putting him in the car, I see the beauty of the moments that we have in life. When we get older and she's older and she's telling us to do well in school, when she's telling us not to be rude, when she's telling us don't get out there and be disruptive, I see the beauty of a foundation that's being set. And although we've gone totally astray, she still supports you in every way. You can ask my brothers and sisters, your mother is the cornerstone to this earthly foundation. So on this Mother's Day, I know it's a little bit longer than most of my podcast. I just wanna say that when you wake up every morning, and you're able to see your mother, just tell her you love her. Don't even go with the notion that this is the last time, but just tell her you love her. And if she frustrates you, she's only trying to make you better. And sometimes she might be a little bit out of herself, and you might think that she's being rude, but listen, you're not here if it's not for her. But when you can calm down, tell her you love her. And when I departed from her, When I get to the point where I can tell you where I am now, I did tell her I love her. And it was the last time that I said it, physically. I may have said it when she called me, but that's the last time when I kissed her on her forehead and I said I love you. And that time, ladies and gentlemen, it felt so pure. It felt so honest. It felt like I had finally come into this idea or what she meant to me. So on Mother's Day, which is every day, and you may not say it every day, but just tell her, you know what? You make my butt itch too. But man, let me tell you, I love you. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes my podcast of how poetry found me. Now we'll go into the next set. I will talk about more things like that. I will recite some of the pieces for you and I'll recite some of the stories for you. And I'm just taking you on this journey now that we are into how poetry found me. Not only did it find find me, it saved me. And I know that if you go out and purchase the material, invest in it, you will see that a part of me is a part of you which makes my books a universal truth because they come from a point of perspective of me being frustrated inside with God and life and everything. But I was given permission to write so that I could clear up any confusion that I had about my life's journey. And I just want to say, if you want to support me, I want you to support me. I want you to go to www.time. L-I-G-H-T-E-N-M-E-N-T dot biz. That's www.time 
L-I-G-H-T-E-N-M-E-N-T dot biz. Or you can go to Amazon and type my name, Leroy, and there you will see my entire body of work. And if you're asking me where should you start, I would say start with the very first one, Time Lightman Series, Volume 1, and let your journey go from there. If you want to get the ebook for the Time Lightment series, you can only get that from my website, and it's $7.95, and you can get the soft copy from Amazon, either from my website. When you go to my website, it'll take you to Amazon, but I just want you guys to see the work that I put in to try to make it real simple for you to support me. You can order it, you can get it, and you can begin the journey with me, and I want you to read the work. I want you to join in when I present my next podcast. And what I'll do is I'll recite the entire piece of Here We Go for you on my next podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, on this Mother's Day, I want to say thank you for taking the time out to listen to me. I want to thank you for taking the time out to look your mother in the eye and look yourself in the eye on a clear blue day and say what life really means to you. Reaffirm your goals. If they're attached to your mother, your father, your family, your loved ones, make sure you get out and you work towards them every day. And I'm going to leave you with three quotes. One of myself, one from Dr. Hill, and one from Antonio T. Smith Jr. Mine simply says, life does not require less from you. Life does not require more from you. Life only requires that you maximize your 24 hours, and if you do that, your life will be forever changed. Dr. Napoleon Hill, the writer of Think and Grow Rich, the book that helps you conquer every burning desire, he says that if the mind can conceive it and believe it, the mind can achieve it. And Antonio T. Smith Jr. says, you can't plant better, you can't dominate. It doesn't mean dominating people. He means dominating your dreams and goals so that you can influence and get people to help you dominate the life that you live in. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Leroy. This is the Time Lightman Podcast. This was episode 11. I hope that you found some truth and value in it. I hope that what I spoke about reflect you as well as me and that we can form a bond and unity and that we can grow our dreams and goals and aspire to do great things like so many other people are doing in this life. Until next time, I will see you guys for episode 12. Until then, have an amazing Mother's Day, have an amazing day, and have an inspiring life. Thank you.